0: Welcome to Lucas Baseball, brought to you by DrRoto.com. On today's show, we're going over our favorite waiver wire and fab editions this week. We have broken them into 12-team leagues and 15-team league ads, and we'll end our show with our segment called Adam and Cut'Em. Joined here as always by my co-host Lucas Beery. And Lucas, some potential saves out there in 12-team leagues this week. We'll talk about those players and more. But I want to start tonight off by talking about what we saw Friday night, the debut of Padre starting pitcher Mackenzie Gore, who is available across a number of leagues right now.
1: Absolutely. We have been waiting on this debut for what seems like three, four years, if not more. Uh, And that kind of is the danger with pitching prospects to keep in mind. Uh, Mackenzie Gore obviously was the number one pitching prospect in baseball for multiple years and had a very tumultuous and tough road to the big leagues. But uh, there was a little bit of promise shown last night. Uh, Didn't even allow one one uh, base runner per inning, which is nice to see in his debut. He had a whip that was sub one. Didn't get enough, Didn't get as many strikeouts as I'm sure some folks would have liked, but he was able to keep his team in the game, and that's fairly promising uh, in his debut. Good velocity as well.
0: Absolutely. Tough matchup, too, versus the reigning world champs. Five and a third inning, struck out three, allowed two earned runs, and maybe a chance to stick in the Padres rotation if he can pitch like that consistently. I just wouldn't go crazy, though, because yeah. there is a chance that when Blakes now returns from the IL, Gore sent back to the minors again until the Padres need him in the rotation later in the season. So I'd hate to have someone spend up big on him and then maybe have him get one, two more starts and then not see him until June or July, right?
1: Yeah, I would not be very aggressive with him. Um, part That's a fair reason as well, but just because also uh, he, he's just so unproven. And I think that the bids are going to be a little bit high with Mackenzie Gore since he is such a, a prestigious name from years past.
0: I'm with you on that. Let's get to the 12-team ads. We'll start with Daniel Bard, reliever for the Rockies. Looks to have locked down the closer's role for the time being in Colorado. The ratio's not necessarily going to be very good, but he has good stuff, and as long as he's getting saves, should certainly be rostered and used, especially in Roto Leagues. Even last season, atrocious ratios. ERA in the fives, whip of one and a half. He got 20 saves, and those saves can go a long way across an entire season.
1: Absolutely, and... He's probably picked up in a good majority of leagues, but if you really need saves and he's available, I think that he's certainly worthwhile uh, for an add. Um, I was able to pick him up in two uh, two leagues last week for 107 and one and 122 in and another, both 15 teamers. Where I came out of the draft with one in, uh, locked in closer and then a Paul Seawald or a Diego Castillo, respectively. So I was fairly desperate for saves, Lou, and getting two this week and. Uh, potential for more. I'm feeling good. The ratios could be a little bit crooked for Bard, but as long as he can have that job, I think the saves could come uh, in volume for Bard.
0: I'm with you there, and that's why he's under the 12-team ads this week, because I do yep. think 15-teamers probably jumped on him last week. I think 12-teamers were a little more hesitant. Uh, because they weren't sure if he was going to get all those opportunities, but it looks like it's his for now. So uh, if you're looking for saves, 12-team leagues, look to add him. Anything else on Bard?
1: No, not really. Like I said, just keep your expectations limited. He could certainly just lose his job. It's just a matter of try to get maybe four to eight weeks of saves, and if you're lucky, he can hang on to the job all season. That's kind of my outlook.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. If you miss out on Bard, who seems to have decent security with his job right now, then this next guy, Andrew Steckenrider of the Mariners, could be a good backup for you. Mariners bullpen certainly crowded. It looks right now, though, the save opportunities early on are going to Steckenrider and Diego Castillo. Steckenrider finished last season as the Mariners closer, put up great numbers in the process. ERA of two, whip at one, fourteen saves, and maybe only gets 15 to 20 opportunities this year, but if he can convert 80% of them, you're feeling pretty good about it.
1: Yes, uh, second rider, one of the issues I had with him in DCs and with, uh, you know, draft and hold setups is that he did not quite get a strikeout per inning. That's a kind of an alarming thing, not only for his future outlook, but his fantasy statistics. I was looking for more along those 11, 12 plus K per nine uh, relievers, hopefully. But uh, the good thing is, is that Seattle does like to deploy him in the ninth inning to get those saves. And obviously, saves are tough to find. So if he is available and you're in need, I think he's certainly a reasonable add. Even if the skills are a little bit sketchy, he still should have the opportunity to provide maybe 10 to 15 saves.
0: Yeah. And I'd like to make the argument that that's the reason why he is
1: available is the yes. lack of
0: strikeouts. Guys like Seawald and Castillo were drafted because even if they're not getting saves, they're helping you in ratios and with those strikeouts. Uh, so, take advantage of the fact that Steckenrider is probably available because of that because if he's getting you some saves uh he's worthy of the ad
1: very fair point
0: all right how about jeff mcneil of the mets other than last season consistently hit over 300 throughout his career put up impressive on base percentage numbers as well doesn't have a ton of power he did hit a career high of 23 back in 2019 If he even can give you 12 to 14 homers, I think you'd feel pretty good about it because he can be an average booster, can score 80 or so runs, drive in 70 plus, be used at second base, middle infield, or in the outfield. So a solid contributor playing every day with good positional eligibility.
1: Yes. It's been been good to see this guy get a full-time opportunity for the Mets, fairly full-time at least. And, He's one of the rare players on the waiver wire that can help in batting average. That's always a very tough thing to find. I think 12 to 14 homers is a fairly realistic expectation and the dual eligibility. He's not a sexy name per se, but good batting average won't he'll he'll help that potentially and multi eligibility with outfield. I think that's a a solid pickup.
0: And in a, revamped, pretty solid-looking Mets lineup, I think yeah. the rest of those counting stats with the RBIs and the runs will be well above average.
1: Absolutely. And obviously Robinson Cano is pretty old at this point, so if he does get hurt, that'll only cement his playing time even further.
0: Yeah, and it might not even matter with Cano because yeah. of the outfield um, option they have to use him out there because Cano's going to see the odd time at second base and a bunch of DH. Uh, McNeil playing in the outfield makes it so that uh, Cano might not even be a roadblock for him potentially.
1: Absolutely, I was just it is it is a very crowded depth chart. So if he does start to struggle a little bit, you could see them give other guys an opportunity. But uh, it's been a quite bolstered offense. It's been good to see Francisco Lindor uh, get going in a hot start, and uh, really happy to see that.
0: All right, how about Francisco Mejia, catcher for the Rays? I think he's only an ad for two catcher leagues, of course. Uh, Not drafted in many 12-team leagues because of the expectation that Mike Zanino was going to get most of the work behind the dish in Tampa, but Mejia hits better versus right-handed pitching than Zanino does. Looks like right now he's on the strong side of the platoon as well, off to a good start to the year. I think if you can grab him as your catcher too, you should look to do it.
1: I think so. He's one of the rare catchers that are not going to hurt your batting average. So that right there automatically is going to get me intrigued by him. Uh, the playing time is half time right now with Zunino, but that's how a lot of catchers are. Obviously Yadier Molina's missed a handful of games just for rest and uh, other players too. And Danny Jansen went out on the IL. There's, there's a need for catchers. So if Mejia is out there, I think a relatively aggressive bid of $30 to $45 is potentially in order since he is quite a bit better than the dregs of the position since he is a batting average booster playing in a solid lineup with at least halftime playing time at the moment.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why the top catchers warrant the early pick sometimes because their playing time is built in. Right. I mean, the production obviously is what you're going for, but you're getting guys that are probably playing in 130 plus games versus a guy like this who might be productive, might only play 95 or 100 games. Um, Also, I think I might have to up my bids on because I do have a couple bids on him in two catcher leagues. And I think right now I'm anywhere from like 13 to 23 range. So I might have to Mm -hmm. bump that up to like a 27 to 35 range.
1: Yeah, it might feel aggressive, and I said 30 to 45. It's simply that there are very few players that are enjoyable to roster a catcher, and he's one of the few. So if you're looking at either him or Roberto Perez or a Austin Hedges, I wouldn't mind being a little bit aggressive to get a bit of an upgrade uh, relative to those guys.
0: Oh, yeah, I would take Mejia
1: over all those guys any day.
0: 15 team ads. We'll start with Seth Brown of the A's. Not necessarily an exciting name, but sometimes the non-exciting names can be useful in fantasy because of the team they play for and the lineup position they hold. Brown plays for the A's, who basically traded away all their top talent this offseason, leaving him with basically an everyday role. He hits in the middle of the A's lineup, going to provide him plenty of run producing opportunities because there simply isn't anyone else to do it and it's worth noting brown hit 20 homers last season and just 281 at bat so if he gets 400 plus ab's this season he might hit 25 to 30 homers he can be used at first base and outfield in most leagues might be a sneaky addition
1: <laughs> wow yeah i'm not gonna lie i picked this guy up on a handful of dcs here and there and just because the playing time was it felt pretty decent with the athletics shipping away anybody that costs really any money outside of Frankie Montas. But uh, yeah, I didn't quite realize he had that many home runs in that few games last year with a, He has a 267 ISO. That's far north of the 250 that I look for as being really good. Now that's probably going to come down now that he has full time at bats. He's potentially going to tire out more, perhaps be scouted a little bit better. But I think 25 home runs, is legitimately in the cards for Brown, even if it comes with a 220 average. So if you need a bit of a power jolt and a 15-teamer, I think that uh, certainly is worthwhile to look at him.
0: Could be, could be. Another outfielder here, Aaron Hicks of the Yankees. When he's not injured, he's proven to be pretty productive. He's good on base skills, hits in a talented lineup, plays pretty regularly because he is the best center fielder on the team. Not sure I would be starting him in any of my 15-team leagues right away unless I have injuries, but I'd feel good about him as my 6th or 7th outfielder, especially in leagues where I have the IL spots. For one, uh, if I have the IL spot, I move some guy to the injured list, pick him up. For instance, Jordan Alvarez going to the COVID list. Um, Hicks might be a good pickup for moving... Alvarez to the IL, but also Hicks has so many injury issues that when he gets injured, you don't have to drop him. You can move him to the IL. So uh, something to consider with Aaron Hicks. Also can hit some homers, might swipe a couple bags as well.
1: Yes, Hicks is going to be somewhat of a liability in batting average. Uh, We're not even going to worry about the health risk he imposes since it's just a waiver wire ad. These things can be week to week anyways, but one of the downsides to him this year, compared to years past, is that he's hitting more seventh in the lineup. He was a lot higher up previously, but because it is a nice lineup and with in New York playing in the in the nice American League East parks, I, I think you can pretty much look past that.
0: Yeah, I mean seventh doesn't sound great, but even Gallo yeah. doesn't hit a lot, gets on base a lot. He hits, he hits. Uh, I think sixth, Lemahieu hitting fifth, he gets on base um sometimes torres hits in front of him so there's going to be guys on base for him even though he's not yeah. in the middle of that order uh yankees lineup hasn't been all that great to start the year it's been fairly inconsistent but it's very early on and if he's healthy he's going to be in the middle of what they do either bad or good
1: yes i i certainly agree it just that was one of the biggest selling points for me years ago and when, when he was at that top of the lineup but now since that's kind of gone it's uh... You know, I don't have as much excitement. It's also hard for me to really say what his potential ceiling is. I think his floor is probably a 230, maybe 220 at worst batting average with, you know, 12 to 15 homers and a handful of bags with a solid amount of runs because he walks so well. But as far as his ceiling, it's been a long time since we've seen him play over 100 games. It's been since 2018. So looking to see kind of what he does maybe a 12 homer 15 home run pace with five to eight steals and a good amount of runs maybe 75 plus runs pace that's kind of what i'm seeing with hicks at this point
0: yes again a solid sixth or seventh outfielder in 15 team leagues i'm not throwing him into my lineup yet
1: yep good good depth piece to have on a good team
0: all right nick martinez of the Padres. it's been five years since he pitched a major league baseball and the last time he did it Done, did not go very well for him. Went overseas, worked on some things, come back to Major League Baseball, and looks like a pretty different pitcher. The sample size, obviously small at this point. Worth mentioning that in his lone start this season, five strong innings, one earned run, struck out six. And his rotation spot seems safe for the moment, at least until Clevenger and Snell are both back and healthy in the rotation. So I would grab him and see if he can give you some solid quality starts until he might lose that rotation spot. But of course injuries happen. I mean something could happen to Darvish or Minaya or Musgrove, even when Snell and Clevenger do come back and Martinez might be able to stick around a little.
1: Absolutely. Uh this is a player that admittedly I didn't have any exposure to heading into the year, so getting the first time to kind of research him for the waiver wire this week's been fun. He has a, a weird kind of contract. He got a four-year, twenty-five point five million dollar deal coming from overseas to the Padres with player options for the last three years. So I guess if he does poorly, he can just have a you know a guaranteed contract. And if he does well, he can leave and get more money since starting pitchers get paid quite a bit. The projection systems, Lou, really like this guy. They have him for almost a whole strikeout per inning, around a low to mid-4 Z R A, which for projections that's not half bad, in fact. And he's going to be pitching on a good team with some soft landing spots uh, against the Diamondbacks and and some of the other dregs of the National League where you can spot him in there. So uh, certainly a speculative ad for 15s. And I think even in 12-teamers, if you're pitching needy, I think that uh, you could do worse than throwing a few shekels down on Nick Martinez, even in a 12-teamer.
0: Yeah, I have leagues with Sale and Flaherty, Giolito as some starters, and obviously all of them on the injured list right now. I need guys that I can
1: plug in. So it seems like a perfect fit. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a bit more impressed than I might have expected. I would be with Martinez, so it'll be interesting to monitor him.
0: All right, Jose Siri of the Houston Astros. And Lucas, you know I'm pretty into this guy. I'm going to plant my flag on him right now as being a breakout player for the Astros. He was impressive in a short sample size last season. He hit over three hundred, ten runs, four homers, nine RBIs, and three stolen bases in just twenty one games. And so far this season in just five games, he has five runs, a homer, two RBIs, a stolen base, batting over four hundred. The concern is that he isn't playing every single day but I can make a case that he will continue to get more playing time as he continues to impress he looks like the best center field option the Astros have him hitting in that lineup only ups his value the speed is what intrigues me here 46 stolen bases one year in the minor leagues has stolen at least 20 in four other seasons and even if he only hits 250 the run scoring potential plus the speed makes him an interesting buyer right now before others kind of catch on to him he has shown 20 plus home run power as well Doing it once in the minors and then last year, between 115 games in the minors and big leagues, he hit 20. So if you can get 18 to 20 homers and twelve to fifteen stolen bases from this guy across a full season, that's pretty productive in 15 team leagues, man.
1: It really is. This uh this has been kind of a eye-opening discussion going here going through things with Siri. Um, he was added in a handful of main events last week, and obviously those guys are kind of actually quite ahead of the curve of uh, many other leagues, so uh, that was kind of shrewd of them to pick him up. The plate discipline is kind of a concern for me with Siri, but he also uh, he has the base-dealing ability that McCormick, Chaz McCormick, his main competition in center field, doesn't quite have, so obviously that's going to be good for fantasy. But it's also not half bad for the Astros, too, where they could potentially put a runner in scoring position if he were to draw a walk or uh, hit a single. So certainly if you're a stolen base needy team, I think that he's solid. Right now, I kind of said this off-air, I see him as a little bit less proven version of Emmanuel Margot, where his playing time could be a little bit potentially bumpy at first. But I think the chances for a 10-10-plus season are there for Siri.
0: I think they certainly are, and McCormick has more power, it would appear. Yeah. Other than that, I'm not sure he has anything else above uh, Siri, and even if McCormick is 20 to 23 homers, maybe. I just told you, Siri could hit 18 to 20, potentially. So uh, a few extra home runs, maybe, you might get from McCormick if he's playing every day. I think Siri has more upside.
1: I want to throw this out there too, and I do agree Siri does have more upside. Although I think McCormick might have a little bit might have a bit more power, so that's an important note to just throw in there. But I have uh, another kind of thing that I wanted to chime in. This is a team that needs to produce more young hitters. Uh, the Astros are getting a little bit older. They're getting a little bit more expensive, so they're going to want to give a test drive out to Jose Siri, uh, as well as Chas McCormick, uh, before Jake Myers comes back from his shoulder. Uh, injury and realistically they need more cheap contributors that are going to be able to stay on the team with a cheap contract. So I think they're going to give him some opportunities here and there, even if the playing time is a little inconsistent. I think he's certainly well worth a spec ad.
0: Yeah. And for the moment, at least with Alvarez on the shelf, um, I mean, it's not going to be long-term. It's just uh, you know, a COVID related issue both McCormick and Siri could play every day, which is kind of a nice audition to see uh, which one of them might be able to take over more regularly.
1: Yes. And looking here kind of at their uh, future contract setup, Michael Brantley could leave the team at the end of the year. So uh, perhaps they could replace him with a very cheap option if McCormick or Siri both take a step in the right direction. I'm not saying that Brantley's going to leave, but you can kind of see where I'm coming from since teams oftentimes do look to save money and reallocate their resources.
0: Absolutely. I think he's one of those guys that I'd rather jump on now for maybe 10 to 20 fab. Yeah. Um, And because, again, if he has another really nice week, steal some bags or something, someone might be willing to drop 50 or 60 on him, right? So uh, <laughs> one of those situations where I think I want to be ahead rather than behind.
1: Yeah, this is one of the handful of players that's, has the stolen base upside that you can get at a relatively cheap rate. And, uh, yeah, I think he's worth uh, worth an add in almost all 15-teamers. Yeah, I have Gavin Sheets in a number of 15-teamers. And I like Sheets.
0: You know I liked him coming in. But it's oh, just yeah. too crowded there in Chicago. Too many uh, players for the corner, outfield, or DH or first base spots. And if I can drop Sheets for Siri right now, I'm going to try to.
1: Well, consider me sold on Siri. I know before, uh, before we started recording, you had a little bit more excitement than me, but I think you've made some compelling arguments.
0: Uh, what did I tell you? I said, I really hope I can sell you on Siri by the, <laughs> end,
1: uh, the end of the show. Yes, you did. Yeah.
0: All right. Next up, San Diego of the Blue Jays. I liked him a little last year, Luke, especially in DFS where he was super cheap, part of that J stack. I've yeah. been using him a little bit this year too, cheap in that J stack. Hit over 300 last year and looks to be getting the lion's share of work at second base right now for the Jays, which makes him an interesting buy because of the lineup. My only issue is the lack of power. Just two homers in 92 games last year, career high of 10 doesn't have the best track record when stealing bases either, just eight total since the start of 2020. Last time he stole double digits, he was actually caught stealing more times than he was successful. So I'm not sure he offers you much in fantasy. I do like him as a real-life player for the Blue Jays, possibly more productive than Kevin Biggio, just not seeing exactly what he's going to offer in 12, 15 team leagues.
1: Yeah, I. if you have a need for... A middle infield eligible player i think that he's worth worth a, a reasonable add of anywhere between 10 to 25 or so on the high side 25 um, but the power has been limited throughout one my thing one thing
0: i'd like to point out lucas i apologize yeah. for interrupting i don't know if it's like oh, this everywhere good. but in the one league where i do own him it's a deeper it's a dynasty league he's only third base eligible right now so that's something to consider if you're looking to pick him up and plug him into that middle infield spot. You might not be able to yet.
1: You will be here in about three more games, as long as he gets the second base starts because he has uh, seven games at second and he's kind of taken over the job from Kevin Biggio, which is nice. Uh, but I just ultimately I think that the upside's fairly limited. Uh, but the the benefit is is that he does. Have a a higher max exit velocity than ever before in his career. Uh, He has 107 max exit velocity and his previous high was about 104. And it only took him 20 uh, batted balls to do that. So that's uh, pretty impressive to see that. He bulked up a little bit over the winter. So there's a chance for more 10 to 13 home run power. But in our Discord, we had a subscriber kind of bring him up. So I got a chance to dig into him a little bit. You know, based on his projections, and they're not giving him full-time at-bat, so I kind of extrapolated out slightly to give him more 145, 150 games. I think, honestly, unless you see a huge breakout, which I wouldn't project, you're looking at a little bit higher end of a Joey Wendell, maybe like a 12-12 type season. It's in Toronto, so that's nice, but towards the bottom of the lineup, I think a 10 to $25 kind of bet would be reasonable for a fab bid
0: yeah the i'm not counting on the stolen bases because as i mentioned it's been a while and even when he was yeah. stealing uh his success rate was terrible he was under 50 percent the last time he even stole double digits uh and it's a much harder to steal in the major leagues than it is in the minors uh That's so fair. i'm not sure that we can count on much speed from him at least in terms of stolen bases base running is a different story a guy who could clearly score from first on an extra base hit or something like that um but the the, honestly the biggest asset he has is putting the bat on the ball and being in the blue jays lineup
1: absolutely yeah that's a very good note on the steals. so let's say that you tamper it down to maybe 10 to 12 homers with three to five steals that gets a bit less exciting. But I still think that in the short term, middle infield can be a little bit gross in 15 teamers. So I think a $10 to $20 ad is still uh, reasonable.
0: All righty. You have a note here you brought up to me in the notes this week about Daniel Lynch being a two-star pitcher. So what do you have there?
1: Yeah, with Lynch, he is a an interesting player, obviously, coming up as a former high-end prospect. Uh, Had a bit of a struggle, though, in his big league career, but seven strikeouts and five innings in his initial start this year. He does get a two-start week this week. Uh, So if you're really needing an injection of upside, I think that you can plug him in into your fab. Just monitor him, though, unless you're really desperate for volume, which admittedly you shouldn't be. I wouldn't start him really in any league format because I just think he's too risky. But I uh, just wanted to throw him out there as a guy that you can pick up on the uh, on the relative cheap, probably twenty to thirty five bucks, just to monitor him, see how he goes. But I wanted to bring up the two start thing because last week we had recommended Dakota Hudson, who didn't do very well this week. But wanted to throw him out there because two start pitchers can oftentimes miss their second start if there's too many rainouts. Uh, so just something to be said there whenever you're looking at a two starter. Uh, maybe not to go overly aggressive unless you really like the pitcher just because those rain outs can kind of cause havoc and then all of a sudden they're a one-start pitcher and you're scrambling.
0: Very good point there on Hudson. And I think my take would be different on this if it was middle to th- uh, third ha- – like the third – Final third of the season, I should say. Tongue tied Mm -hmm. there. Um, Because one of those players I'm just not willing to take a risk on this early in the season because I don't want my ratios getting blown up. Uh, The strikeout track record's there, but it's not like he's a 12K per 9 guy. Past couple seasons in the minors, he's been about K per 9. Let's say he does give you 8 to 10 innings this week, gets 9 to 11 strikeouts. It's nice. But if the ERA's in the 7s and the whip's close to 2, it's going to hurt you more than it helps you
1: absolutely and that's that's kind of why i said not to use him we're both in lockstep there but i do think that he is worth a speculative pickup because showing that strikeout stuff in the first game is very promising and if you remember lou last year whenever he came up he was a very expensive ad he was very highly touted i think he came up right around the same time as shane McClanahan. one went one way and the other went the other so Even if you kind of wipe off what he did last year as just his debut, getting some jitters out, you could see bigger things for Lynch. And I think that the ad would be speculative at this point. You wouldn't need to use him. And there's some upside there.
0: I think if I'm playing in a head to head league, I would take the risk uh, because it's not going to hurt you throughout the entire season. It would like the blow up start. Uh, it might hurt you in the week, but it could help you in the strikeouts for the week, right? Like if he gets you 10 to 12 strikeouts, let's say, uh, that could help you win that category. And his one bad start or the start bad start with the ratios might not uh, destroy you if your opponent happens to have a blow-up start too, right? So it's just a completely different animal, Roto versus head-to-head.
1: Absolutely. And you can certainly reset into the week move on from this strategy if it doesn't work with him and no big deal but in roto uh, it's going to be challenging for him to really even go much beyond five innings so he's going to have to run super pure for him to get a win with the royals getting a lead so in head-to-head i think that makes some sense to roll the dice there but in roto more of a speculative pickup kind of see how he does but who are
0: his opponents in the two starts
1: Uh, let me uh let me take a quick look here
0: Because, I mean, that's obviously going to make a huge difference. Which ballpark is he pitching in? Are they at home? Is he facing, you know, the Astros and the Blue Jays, or is he facing uh, the the Royals and the A's, right? Like, it's definitely a big, big difference.
1: He has a bit of, he has some salivating matchups to an extent. Uh, They're not bad. twins at home and at seattle so not a bad set of matchups
0: see i don't like either one of those matchups i think the twins can hit the baseball pretty well and the mariners have been looking great um i i don't like either one of those matchups to be honest i don't care where he's pitching either to be honest
1: yeah i just see some strikeout potential in the twins and then with seattle you know i think that i think that he could do well against them but again He's to be left on the bench as a speculative ad. So yeah.
0: All right. Well, before we wrap up, we'll do our next edition of Adam and cut him. So we'll start with the ads. What do you have this week?
1: Yes. As far as my two ads, they're a bit bland, but that can oftentimes be what wins. If you're getting the proper playing time with the hitters, Chad Pender is a must add in all 15 team leagues. He's had a really nice lineup spot to kind of start off the year. And not only that, he's shown some power and he even stole a base yesterday. So that's really nice to see. Uh, as far as you know, his lineup spot, he's been hitting first, second, or fourth most games. So that's really nice. And then another guy with an elite lineup spot is G-Man Choi. He's actually available in every single one of my 15 teamers. And Choi does sometimes get pinch hit four uh, against the left-hander late in the game, which does limit his appeal slightly because he does have pinch hit risk. But he's actually a really, really nice hitter. WRC pluses of around 115 to 120 plus for him and really, really strong plate discipline. Even if he doesn't have a big home run total, uh, he just has the ability to knock in runners and clutch situations for the Rays. So I think if you're looking to add a little bit of bench depth in a 15 teamer, Choi on the corner infield side where it's a bit thin right now, super thin in fact, and Pender are solid adds to just bolster depth in a 15 teamer uh, in case injury does strike.
0: Well, with Choi, I do love this call. It's a very, very smart um, call on your part. It loves to hit versus right-handed pitching. Hits in the middle of the Rays lineup. Chance for some solid production from him. Fifteen team leagues. With you there, a hundred percent with Pinder. Kind of goes with my take on Seth Brand, we're boring players yes. who are getting playing time because of the team they're on. I do like the positional eligibility. Not sure if I'm ever going to start him, though, unless I'm riddled with injuries. I just don't see where there's much upside, even with that lineup spot. If, if I thought he could hit 20, 25 homers like Brown does, it would be a different story. But I think he maxed out at maybe 13 or 14 homers with everyday playing time. Doesn't really hit for that great of average. And even being in a prime lineup spot, the A's are not expected to be a team throughout the season that's scoring a lot of runs. So uh, I'm not as sold on Pinder as I am on Choi.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can certainly understand that. Uh, he's not a not an established player, not a really even a big name. It's just opportunity calls at this point. And I'm thankful I did start him in a handful of leagues simply because he had seven games this week. Uh, and a handful of my other guys only had either five or six. So that was kind of nice. Uh, And like I said, the lineup spot is really nice, and the very bad competition they have in Oakland uh, just makes Pender even more cemented into his role.
0: That is definitely true. I'll give you that. Over to the cuts.
1: Yes, a couple of cuts this week. Uh, First off, we'll start with the universal cut that I have, which I wouldn't have held him this long, but I noticed that he was available in 70, or he was rostered, excuse me, in 74% of TGFBI leagues. So some people are certainly asleep at the wheel on that one, but it's Videl Bruhan. I mean, he's in AAA. I don't see much of a clear opening. I think the team right now has their backup infielder set as Taylor Walls ahead of Videl Bruhan. So not only does he need one injury, but he probably needs two so that Walls can fill one spot and maybe Bruhan can fill another infield spot. But uh, there's just no need, in my opinion, to have him. Too many things would need to change. Uh, for for Bruhan's stock to go up
0: i'm with you there not even being on the big league roster just destroys it for me but even if he was <laughs> uh where's the playing time going to come from to me right. it's a very easy cut even trading meadows away giving josh Lowe every day at bats because uh, brujan was using the outfield a bunch last season in, when he was in the bigs there's not really a spot for him there either with Kiermeyer, margot uh phillips rosarena and lau i mean where is he going to play in the outfield
1: yeah, you'd need at least two, maybe even three injuries for them to give him a chance. I think, honestly, he's more likely to get traded than he is to have a full-time role in this team in the near future.
0: Yeah, probably for some starting pitching, because the Rays kind of lack that. They have lots of arms, but they don't have a lot of starting pitching that can go even remotely deep into games. So they should probably look to move Brujan for that. But anyone else on the cotton list this week?
1: Yeah, this is a little bit of a... Uh... A little bit of a sad note, but Young Kim just has not gotten the requisite playing time, in my opinion, to be rostered in a 12-team league. Uh, he's kind of muddled on the short side of a platoon right now with C.J. Abrams. And they've only played Abrams in the outfield uh, one game. So they're just, they're really sticking to that strict platoon. And obviously, Kim is on that short side of that platoon. And realistically, in a 12-teamer, I've got him in a spot or two. and I'm going to be dumping him this weekend. So I thought that he'd be a good candidate since the playing time's limited.
0: Yeah, I think you hit this perfectly. Stuck on a platoon, weak side
1: of it, definitely cut him. Doesn't
0: offer much to you. Uh, much more interested in everyone else on that Padres team. Even more interested in Eric Hosmer, if you can believe that. Yikes. I agree, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, I know you have a another podcast you're doing today with uh, our buddy kevin hasting over a pitcher's list so have a good time with that excited to hear it whenever it comes out absolutely all right buddy this has been the lucas baseball podcast brought to you by dr Com. i'm lou landers that's lucas thanks for tuning in good luck in your bids we'll catch you next time